You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to talk about the Packers win. Kind of self-explanatory, I suppose. It was a little bit more of a blur than I would like, because um, I'm really doing a deep dive to try to remember all the little bits and pieces. Um, but I thought it was a good game. I, I know I'm in the tank club technically but um you know i've got kids in the house so i don't root against the packers that that's not that's not an option but it felt good it was it was a good game to watch um there's a lot of pessimism and i'm not sure why i don't don't understand it i mean if, if you're pessimistic because you're in the tank club fine but you've got some people that have been wanting this and wanting to win and wanting to see a high score and wanting to see the the offense open up and wanting to see everything we saw, and they're still not happy. So I don't know. I, I will summarize the rest of the podcast with this statement. Can, all things considered, it was a very good game. But there's a lot to be considered, so we'll, we'll discuss all those nuances. However... Before we get there, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information for the Green Bay Packers. If you'd be so kind, jump on in the uh, Facebook group. Links for all these things are in the description, by the way, so it shouldn't be too hard to figure out. Might depend how you're listening to this, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Packernet Podcast is the name of the Facebook group, so there you go. Finally, NFLBigBoard.com, for those of you looking to start diving into the draft. I've gone ahead and built y'all a one-stop shop. Hopefully this week we'll get some more updates coming, um, get some more players as far as uh, highlights, videos, news, notes, blah, blah, blah. Get up into the 300s, but be sure to keep an eye on that. I update that uh, at least once a week. I don't think I've really missed it unless there's just not very many updates, but I think as the season progresses now... You're going to start seeing people update their big boards more often, so it means i got a lot of work to do coming up. But anyways, the Green Bay Packers beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-20. to There was a time, not too long ago, to be completely honest, where if you'd have told me we beat the Packers 34-20 this late in the season, I would have said the Packers must be having a pretty good year, and how about that defense? Fast forward to today... And you look at it and you kind of smile and shrug your shoulders and say, that's cool. Anyways, because <laughs> as it turns out, Falcons are not very good. And this win doesn't really move the needle as much as it would have in, say, I don't know, September. Back when we all still assumed the Falcons were going to be Super Bowl contenders, at least close to it. And we can get more into the nuance of how this impacts everything, because as far as impacting the team this was just a net negative there's there's good things to be seen it made me happy to look at and go yeah imagine if this team had some talent uh-huh how about that but um no this this uh hurt us in the draft we're still not going to get into the playoffs that's i mean a near impossibility still not only do we have to win out including beating the bears next week 
But you've also got Washington that's already a game ahead of us. Not that they're going to be able to maintain that. But you got Seattle that's a seven-win team. you got Minnesota that's a six-win team. And because we're... Um, because they also have that tie, and because they beat us, we've got to be a full game ahead of them. Meaning the only way we leapfrog Minnesota is if they end the season 7-8-1, and one, which means they can win one more game and that's it. If they win two, they're ahead of us. Seattle's the same situation. If they win two games, they're ahead of us. If Minnesota and Seattle win just two more games, it's game over. And they play each other, so one of them is going to win this week. There's also the Carolina Panthers, who are at 6-7. and seven. So we're also banking on them losing. So everybody's ahead of us right now. The Vikings are ahead of us. Carolina's ahead of us. Seattle's ahead of us. Washington's ahead of us. And we're banking on all of them losing games while we win games. With only one of the, th- of the four teams that are ahead of us staying ahead of us. Everybody else losing out. Not losing out as in not winning anymore, but, but losing their way out of the playoffs. At which point we would limp in with either the Seattle Seahawks or the Minnesota Vikings, and um, we would have a record of 8-7-1, and one, and it would just be the biggest embarrassment in the playoff in playoff history. A 500 team, basically, in the playoffs. That's, that's ridiculous. The only real good thing about it is if we got into the playoffs, we would likely be the sixth seed, which would mean we would play the third seed, which almost definitively is going to be the Chicago Bears. We just beat the Bears, supposedly, in Chicago, supposedly, So as hard as it's going to be to do it twice, at least we can say we did it. Then from there, we would have to face the number one seed, which currently is New Orleans. And unless they lose again and the Rams keep winning, it will be New Orleans. So we would have to go to New Orleans and beat the Saints in New Orleans. How do we do something like that? I don't know. But then we, you know, we just got to keep the old old faith alive, I guess. Then we would face either um, Seattle, Dallas, or the Rams. All three of those teams better than the Packers, but again, you know, keep the faith, I guess. Then we beat them, and then then all we got to do is beat, you know, Kansas City or the Patriots or whatever, and then boom, Super Bowl, baby. So again, this didn't really help us at, <laughs> at all, but that's okay, because I'm going to enjoy it. It felt good, because I, to be honest, I think I needed to see it a little bit. As much as it's kind of selfish, as much as it's... You know, we say, oh, that's going to help the team. I don't think it's going to help the team at all. I don't think it helps morale. But it's helping my state of mind because part of me is starting to wonder if this team will ever wake up. It was a very real question, how much of this is on Mike McCarthy? Well, if it's on Mike McCarthy and he leaves, you know, I don't want to say you can just automatically assume things get better because, again, you've now got an offensive coordinator trying to do a new job and other people getting fired and everything just kind of went horribly. But still, if it's, if it's a lot of bad play calling and things, fine. Let's see what happens when uh, Mike McCarthy's out of the equation. Well, turns out, arguably, points-wise at least, best game of the season. And that's, you know, again, we can overanalyze it and we can look at the stats and say it wasn't that impressive and we can, we can micromanage every single thing about this game. The fact of the matter is this is what we've been waiting for all year. This is, this is, this is pretty classic Packers stuff. 34 points at home in December. And I thought it looked good. Not perfect. I think Rodgers probably should have, should have been picked twice. But I thought Rodgers looked good. I think a lot of his decisions looked good. He was willing to check down a lot, which was fantastic to see. A lot of short throws, a lot of check downs. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the deeper shots like that, that pass to Randall Cobb for a touchdown was just absolutely beautiful. Some of these throws to Devontae, which was just pure trust, just throw it up to him because I know he's going to get it, and he did. You just felt trust and camaraderie on a team that I didn't expect to see that from, right? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and expecting this team to just kind of give up, and Rodgers just looked like, I don't know, they, they looked like a team. They looked like they wanted to be there. They looked like, and again, winning solves everything. If they started losing and things looked terrible, we'd probably have a different opinion on how they looked as a team, which is why I say let 2019 fix itself. Don't worry about, you know, win out so that we have a better attitude in 2019. No, go win in 2019 and the attitude will be fixed. But still, there was it, it, it felt good to see. I mean, I, Joe, uh, yeah, whatever his name is, <laughs> our interim head coach, him challenging those plays, which, by the way, we probably should have won both of them, but I didn't care that we lost our challenges because he's just saying, you know what, I'm putting faith in my guys. At this point, that's all that matters. It's more important than winning, in my opinion. He's trying to give them something. He's not trying to overanalyze things or, or worry about, well, we're going to need this later. Let's just forget about it. No. Nonsense. Jair dominated him. End of story. Throw the flag. I don't need any more information. Good enough for me. I know he beat him. You're telling me that confidence didn't carry over? Look how that defense played. Joe Philbin put his confidence in his players. Aaron Rodgers put confidence in his receivers. You saw confidence in the run game. You saw confidence in everybody. And you felt it, and it was reciprocated by the players. So, yeah, we, we can look at the stats, and we can, we can say, oh, it wasn't that great. And, you know, the offense took the foot off the gas at the end when we were up, which, big deal. The defense led up at the end. Yeah, so what? With three minutes left, and they're down by, what, 21, 20 points? I don't, I don't mind all that much. Yeah, you're going to change the way you play defense a little bit. And the Falcons are going to try to take trunk, chunk plays, so if they complete a pass, it's going to be a 30-yard pass. I don't necessarily think that means we have to hate on the defense. It was good to see. The other kind of comment I slipped in there early in the podcast was referencing how nice it was because imagine what this team could do with some real talent on it. Now, Part of that is kind of a swipe at the actual people there, and part of it is an injury issue. But really, if you carry over that trust and that camaraderie and you look at Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari and and Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark and you take all that talent, and then next year you take all that money we talked about yesterday and you go out and strategically get a couple pieces in free agency, and then you go into the draft and you get a couple more pieces, which, you know, I, I think at this point we just need to be comfortable with a few things we're not getting a top five draft pick we're I don't know that we're going to get top 10 anymore just because if the team continues to play this way we're probably not going to lose to the Jets there's a good chance we could beat the Lions kind of 50-50 either way we're probably going to win at least one more game so again I've I've been saying for a while we're probably going to pick 14-16 ish you know be similar to what we did last year it would have been nice to have something better but we've got a lot of draft picks. I have confidence in our GM. We have a lot of money. We have a lot of opportunity to make some things happen in 2019. And again, I don't know that 2019 is our year. I'm kind of looking at 2020 anyways. Again, not to depress anybody, 2019 can be fantastic. Just a lot of holes to fill. But I was thinking about it. How many of the people that played today would we even recognize early in the season? Or forget early in the season, let's say last year. Because I'll, I'll lump together our draft picks into this, as in including, so so guys that weren't here last year, um, whether that's draft picks or whatever, I, I 
part of the reason I'm impressed is because this is just a, a mishmash of people. This isn't a group of guys that have been together a long time. And where you see the, the camaraderie is what kind of stood out. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers. But imagine just reading off the roster this year, um, last year. So reading this year's roster to last year's fans. So even even at quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who's your backup? Nope, not that guy. It's Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> what? How? What? What is it? How? Why? Wide receivers. Who do you got? Well, Jordy's gone. We got a guy named Equinemius. A what? And yeah, Equinemius is his name. Equinemius Saint Brown. But wait. <laughs> we we've also got a guy by Mar by the name of Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, are they good? Yeah, they're all right. A lot of high upside, you know. Okay, but. Like, is Jordy still our top guy? No, Jordy's gone. J- J- what? Really? We moved? Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Shipped him off. A little disrespectful, actually. I mean, they offered him basically nothing. But, you know, we, we moved on. He's playing for Oakland. Doing terrible. Oh, oh, okay. Cobby doing all right? Eh. He's not even rated in the top 100 right now. He and Geronimo are outside of the top 100. It's not looking great for them. EQ and Marquez, though? EQ is what we call them. Equinemius. Also, there's a guy who's uh, from Whitewater. He's actually really good. He's he's actually our second highest graded wide receiver on the team. A guy from Whitewater. Yeah, Whitewater. Yeah, Jay Kumaro. Like the Whitewater we went to, the school we went to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's, he's good. He hasn't played much, but uh, no, he's he's graded pretty high. <laughs> Dance party can't even believe it, man. DJ Galaxy's all, de- yeah, I dude. DJ Galaxy, I'm telling you, that is our wide receivers right now. The running backs we know, but we're talking about second-year guys, so nothing too crazy there. Oh, except Ty Montgomery's gone. What do you mean he's gone? Well, we got rid of him. He's kind of being disrespectful, so. Well, he, he felt he was being disrespected and whatever, and Gutekunst didn't want to play that. In fact, he's just been shipping everybody off that gives any attitude, including our uh, our head coach. Wait, what? Yeah, 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 no, he's, he's gone. Philbin is... Uh, Phil, Philbin's our new co- Philbin? What Philbin who? What Philbin? Oh, right. Right. No, Joe Philbin's back. And then uh we um Dom Capers also gone. Petten. Petten, uh Mike Mike Petten is our defensive coordinator. Joe so so we hired Philbin and then we fired Mike and now so, so now it's Philbin and uh and our defensive coordinator is Mike Petten, so Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyways there's uh, a lot of hype, I'm not sure why, about our fullback Danny Vitali. What? What? Wait, what about Ripkowski? He's he's uh he's not on the team anymore. Okay. Do we have any tight ends? We got Jimmy Graham. Shut. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. I mean, is he awesome? No, he's he's pretty terrible, actually. Do we have any good tight ends? Well, Robert Tanyan's not bad. Robert Tanyan. Yeah, no. I mean, he's he's the highest graded guy we got. Uh, we also have Lance Kendricks from you know. Is he any, no, he's still terrible. Okay. Mercedes Lewis. Mer, we, what? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know that either. We got Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, yeah, he's terrible too. Isn't he, how old is he? I, 40-ish, I don't know. Does he do anything? Well, well he had a good reputation for blocking, but he can't do that for us, so. Uh, I don't know. No, but uh, Tanyan's good, though. Tanyan's good. So, we got that. You, you. <laughs> You get what I'm saying here, right? This is ridiculous. 
Corey Lindsley's still there. Bakhtiari and Balaga still there. Byron Bell, anybody? Anybody know a guy named Byron Bell? Nobody? Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows who that is. He wasn't here last year. How about our corners? Well, we got Jair and Josh Jackson. Who's Jair? Who's Josh Jackson? Tremont Williams. What are you talking about, Tremont Williams? Who's Bashad Breland? Tony Brown? Who is Tony Brown? What What is Natrell Jamerson? I've never heard of that. What is that? Where's Kevin King? He's on IR. Of course he is. What about House? Well, he's on IR. Okay. What about Demarius Randall? He's gone. What? What? Yeah, we traded him. That's how we got Kaiser. Oh, get out of here. I mean, this is like a this is like a comedy. What are you talking about? That's not a thing. Yeah, we traded him to the Browns. Our GM, Brian Gutekunst. Tra- what, wait a minute. What do you mean our GM, Brian Gutekunst? Yeah, we traded him to uh, Elliot Wolf over there at the Browns. <laughs> what? What is happening? What are you talking about? He's a Packer. No, John Dorsey hired him. You mean the Chiefs guy? No, no, he's a Browns GM now. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Safeties? Is HaHa any good? Eh. Remember how I said our GM kind of shipped a bunch of people off? Eh, he's one of them. You know how at the end of the year he didn't really want to play anymore? He, he, he never really turned that switch back on. He still still never wanted to play. Gutekunst didn't want to play that game, and he shipped him off to the Redskins. Really? Yeah. Do we have any safeties then? We have none. We have zero safeties. Nothing. I mean, Ibrahim Campbell looks promising. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, it's small sample size. I mean, Kentrell Bryce has been there like all year, but, uh, you know. Kentrell Bryce? Why Bryce? I don't know. He started the season. He was just kind of the guy. What about Josh Jones? I don't know. Just didn't play him until recently. He's doing all right, though. I mean, he doesn't. He's not as terrible as last year, but he's not very good. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what we're doing at safety. So we just don't really have. No, we just don't have safeties. I mean, Tremont Williams is playing safety, but uh, Tremont. Yeah, Tremont. No, he's playing safety. Is he any good? Yeah, not really. No, not really. Okay, Blake and Jake. Blake's doing all right. Jake's on IR. Really? Who? Who's our line? Well, Antonio Morrison. I. I don't know who that is. Oren Burks. James Crawford. You know. No, I don't know. What are you talking about? Who, what, what, this is, this is all a lie. I don't know if I would believe this if somebody told me all this stuff. This is, when I say we're doing, we're in a rebuild, (laughs) this is, it's kind of stunning how much this team has been torn down. And we we look at uh, what Gruden's doing with Oakland. The Packers did this very sneakily. I don't know if I realize until this moment how much this team has been torn torn down as being rebuilt. Brian Gutekunst did exactly what John Gruden is doing, but nobody noticed. <laughs> he completely stripped this team down to bare bones and is rebuilding it, and nobody's talking about that. Nobody recognizable is still on this team except for a couple of core players. That's the one difference between him and, and John Gruden. Gruden is specifically finding the good players and getting rid of them. Gutekunst is, is leaving those um, you know pillars in place so that the whole thing doesn't collapse because that's kind of important, and he's just getting rid of everybody else. Defensive line might be the one that's recognizable, although it would be a little bit stunning. Kenny Clark still a stud? Yes, sir, he is. Mike Daniel still a stud? Yeah, no. He's uh, he's outside the top fifty and he's on IR. So sorry to tell you. Dean Lowry bounced back though. Yeah, yeah. He had his one down year, but he's back, man. He's looking good. 
Still a good pass rusher? No, no, not really. He's uh, he's good against the run this year. He's more of a run guy. Really? Yeah, rounding out the old the, the, the toolbox or whatever. Montrevia's still trash? Eh, he's kind of stepping it up a little bit. And Muhammad Wilkerson looked pretty good before he went on IR. Oh, shush. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's got to be one guy. James Looney, you know. Tyler Lancaster looks fine. Absolute boulder of a human being. Finally, to round out this ridiculous comedy, Edge Rusher. Yeah, 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 yes. You know exactly where this is going. Yes, you do. Nick Perry having a good year? Or is it Clay? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, um, Kyler Fackrell, he's actually having a pretty good year. Yeah, he's had two uh two three sack games. Pushing pushing the uh pushing the double digits. I would absolutely not believe if somebody told me any of this. I don't think one thing that I've said I would believe. As soon as I that this would be the the nail in that you're telling me Kyler Fackrell's the number one edge rusher on your team. I'm done. I'm I'm signing off. You're a liar. I wasn't sure, now I'm sure. You're telling me Nick Perry has been healthy almost all season. And doesn't have 10 sacks yet? No. Basically zero. I don't believe you. Is he hurt? Not really. Does he have a cast on his arm? No. Okay, where is he graded? He's outside the top 100. I don't believe you. Clay doing it right? No, he's been terrible. Reggie Gilbert look any good? No, he's been horrible. It's really just Kyler Fackrell. And uh, Kendall Donerson maybe could step up. I don't really know. This is, this is ridiculous. Everything I just said is silly. And you understand why I'm saying 2018 isn't the year, and I'm a little skeptical about 2019. But again, when I say all things considered, do you know what I'm talking about now? This is goofy. This is just goofy. This is a brand spanking new team, and we're looking at Rodgers like, dude, why don't you make it go? Why don't you make it go, dude? Why don't you just go? Why aren't you better? Like, come on, guys. Let's let's cut him some slack here. There's just this is just again it's a mishmash. We got a couple draft picks. We've got some you know people we brought over like Bashad Breland. We got guys that are being thrust into the spotlight like Tyler Lancaster and Kyler Fackrell, Reggie Gilbert. I mean to see our defensive line essentially line up as Reggie Gilbert and Kyler Fackrell on the outside and Tyler Lancaster and Montrevious Adams on the inside, and to say we held the Falcons to 20 points and beat them at Lambeau in December, again, I would call you a liar. Yeah, we had Bashad Breland at corner with Tony Brown, who's an undrafted free agent, with Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams, Kyler Fackrell, and Reggie Gilbert, with Tremont Williams at safety, along with, I don't know, Josh Jones, and... uh Blake Martinez and Antonio Morrison. What are you talking about? What is that? Oh, they took their foot off the gas at the end. They let him get another touchdown. Dude, go to bed. <laughs> what are you talking about? This isn't even this isn't even like a This is like the Pro Bowl. This isn't a football football team. This is a Pro Bowl team. Minus all the talent. It's just a group of guys getting together and playing backyard football. And we're trying to figure out why we didn't get a Super Bowl trophy this year. It's a rebuild year, okay? We're working on it. However, as I mentioned, I don't know, call it a week ago, 
The pieces we have are incredible. Number one most important piece is quarterback. Do we have that piece? Of course we have that piece. Aaron Rodgers is ranked right now fourth in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, even on a down year. He's being graded as elite. I know you don't believe that. I know you don't care. Fine. How about our number one wide receiver, his number one guy? Top ten in the NFL. He's he's ranked ninth. Graded as very good. He's, He's close to being elite. He could maybe edge it out by the end of this year. An elite wide receiver. Top ten in the NFL. Aaron Jones also graded as very good. Very, very good wide, uh, running back. Not quite top 10 anymore. He was. But uh, imagine this guy with an offensive line, huh? Could you imagine that? I can't even imagine that. I don't know what that even looks like. I would like just for one day to see what it would have looked like with uh, Bakhtiari and Sitton and Lindsley and Lang and Balaga. I'd like to see what he looked like with that line. Just show me one game. I'm just curious what that looks like. Or we just draft some really good guys like Bo Benshowell or whatever. Go get that guy. Maybe get a tight end that's not any of these tight ends. Listen, I love Jimmy Graham. Absolutely love the guy. Seems like a very stand-up guy, hard-working person. Unbelievable career. Everything looked fairly good in this game. Jimmy Graham did not look like he knew what he was doing out there. I shouldn't put it that way. That's the wrong way to put it. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He just wasn't able to execute it. Everything you expect from Jimmy Graham, and again, talking about trust. Aaron Rodgers put his trust in Jimmy Graham. He threw up those 50-50 balls, which is entirely Jimmy Graham's career, right? That's your deal, dude. You're a giant basketball player who boxes people out and gets those 50-50 balls. He just, he couldn't hang on to it. He doesn't look like he can get his feet off the ground. I mean, he's he's trying, and I, I give him credit. I don't see him as somebody who's given up. Maybe I'm just being unfair because I like him. Maybe if this was Martellus Bennett, we'd be trashing him a lot more. I don't see him not trying. I just see him trying and not able to pull it off. So again, let's get some pieces. What does this team look like with some more uh, offensive line to help our run game and to protect Aaron Rodgers? How about we help with the wide receivers as well as having EQ and Marquez and, and Jay Kumaro take another take another year to grow? And Jamon, let's not forget Jamon. All right, if Kyler Fackrell can step up, and Jason Spriggs can start to look somewhat competent after three-ish years. Nobody's saying Equinemius can't step up in year two, or Marquez, or anybody. Let's fix that offensive line. Let's try to solidify these corners. we got a lot of pieces, but let's see if we can just kind of, you know, let's get something solid going. We've had so much rotation. so much. Ro- we've had rotation on the offensive line. We've had rotation at wide receiver. We've had rotation at tight end. Let's try this guy. Let's try that guy. This isn't panning out. That's not panning out. How about he blocks? How about he blocks? How about he catches? You know, we got Jimmy Graham blocking and, and Lance Kendrick's catching. I, and Mercedes Lewis has been collecting a paycheck sitting on the bench all year. It's just, it, we're just trying to figure this thing out, right? Who, who's our corners? We know Jair. Is it, is it Josh Jackson? Do we keep Tremont? Where does Kevin King factor into this? Bashad Breland, Tony Brown, right? A lot of rotation, a lot of crazy stuff. Devon House was in there early on. Let's try to solidify some of this stuff. How about we get some safeties? What is this team with talent? Yeah, what is this team with safeties? Josh Jones took a step this year. Whether we, you know, he's, he's not great, but in a limited sample size, he took a step, and that's all you can ask, right? Well, I suppose from a second-round draft pick, you can ask him to be good, but it is what it is. Some people, it's not that way. And at that point, you just got to hope for continual improvement. Would also not mind a bigger bigger step. But whatever. You know, Blake Martinez was the same thing. He wasn't good his rookie year. Jake Ryan wasn't good his rookie year. They took steps every year. 
Now Blake Martinez is a good linebacker. Jake Ryan is a good linebacker, as much as nobody wants to admit it. Josh Jones has the ability. Give him, give him some more opportunities. He didn't have any opportunities this year. Opportunities this year. Tricky Siskel spat a bit a wicked biscuit, rat-a-tat-tittle-tattle, and prattled on about a little metal bottle. She spat a bit of spittle. <laughs> Never mind. From the office, all right? Bottom line is the Packers have a very good foundation, but they have a lot of pieces, and, and beyond just getting more pieces, we need to be able to get a, a familiar with the team. Not just us, but the team needs to get familiar with the team. The team needs to have a group of starters that just start. We need wide receivers that are just our wide receivers, that are definitively our wide receivers. We're, we're in a big turnover time. I mean, what, what can you expect? Last year was sort of the year we kind of said, all right, enough is enough, and we're starting a turnover process. This year is again. We're doing it again. More players had to go. Head coaches gone. More coaches are going to be gone. It's a turnover year. And next year is going to be tough, too, because we're just starting. But the new head coach has to come in. He has to implement his new you know, offense, and, and we got to figure out, hopefully we don't have a new defensive coordinator, but maybe we do. The coaching staff has to get acclimated with the players. The players have to get acclimated with the players. Hopefully we can get this thing solidified. But again, I say all this to just say, if we're looking at this Falcons win as a loss, we're looking at it wrong. I'm not worried about the stats. I, I, again, what, what I saw was, was trust, and I saw a team, and I saw people that wanted to be on the field and wanted to be together and played together, and I saw energy, and I saw intensity, and I saw guys like Bashad Breeland step up. Right in in a time when the season is officially over, guys are stepping up. They're 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 responding to something, and that's awesome. This could have gone the other way. This could have gone. I I, ex- I expected it. If you didn't notice from what I've been saying the last week, I expected it to go the other way. These guys haven't handled adversity very well, and now they just lost their head coach. How much preparation went into this game? I mean, I'm sure a lot, but it's tough. But they're responding positively, and I, I like what Joe Philbin did. I, I, I enjoyed the, the play calling. I enjoyed the trust that he put in them. I, I, everything about it just felt good. And again, yeah, maybe part of it is because we won, but regardless, I think they went about it the right way. Better to lose as a team than win as, as individuals. That would be the best way I could think going into this game that we need to be. Because, I, again, it's a mishmash of people, and at some point we have to, we have to be a team. And I just don't think this is a team. I mean, right now, I know it's not a team. We, we've, had, we've got a bunch of people that are hurt, so we have a bunch of people stepping up that we're not familiar with. We don't have a head coach. That needs to be the focus next year, but we can also start it today. Start the process of being a team. Equinemius St. Brown started off the, 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 the first drive, you know, building his confidence with Aaron Rodgers, right? Just, just catch, catching those easy passes and using his athleticism to get those extra yards. Right, simple stuff, but it's just it's just effort. You just I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. This is from a guy who wanted us to tank. This is from a guy who's watching the draft slip through my fingers. But I I liked what I saw. I'm not upset by it. If if we're gonna mess up and win, let's do it the right way, and I'm happy with it. Some people aren't. Some people want vintage 2010, 2011, 2012 Packers. I'm not looking for that. I think with with the players we have and with the situation we're in, 34 points in December against the Atlanta Falcons, that's a win. You know, Aaron Jones looked good. Look at the offensive line. No right tackle. 
All our guards were hurt. Alex Light came in as a guard. I, I remember when, uh, who was it that got hurt? Was it McRae that got hurt, I think? Because Bell was already out. And I literally, as a person who does a daily Packers podcast, and probably shouldn't admit this, went just, just looked to my father-in-law and said, I don't even know who's coming in right now. <laughs> I don't know I don't know who the next guy up is. Especially with Gutekunst shuffling the roster. I mean I could rattle off names. I don't even remember who's below them anymore. Oh yeah, light. And you know what? I, I don't know what he did. Maybe he came in and he looked like garbage. I have no idea. I'm sure the the Twitter folks will be all over it. But you know what? He stepped up in the midst of adversity and he helped the team win. He was given the opportunity and he rose to the occasion. You know what else I loved? Just speaking about putting trust in people. I was stunned, stunned to see Jair Alexander put shadow coverage on Julio Jones. <laughs> that defensive coordinator bought into it. He bought into this. Everything we're saying about put your trust in your guys, that's trust. Because we've heard him say sometimes the best thing to do is to double cover one guy and then put your number one on the other guy. I think this would have been an opportun- a great opportunity to do that. They don't have a ton of talent outside. Would you put him on uh, Muhammad Sanu? Put him on the rookie, and he would just lock him down. Jair would have locked down whoever whoever it was. Put him what whoever, and then double cover Julio. He said no. Jair, you're the number one guy at what is he five ten, rookie. You go up against Julio Jones and you lock him down. And I think he did a great job. Those first two catches weren't even catches. And even if it was, what great effort it was. It was perfect coverage. He went up there, he got his arm in there, and he swatted the ball out. I don't care if he caught it or not. That was phenomenal coverage. The other one, he was out of bounds. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Who cares? It was, you know, talking about inches. Still great coverage. Did Julio Jones go for 250 yards like he's done against us in the past? No. And who was the one guy tasked with the responsibility of shutting down Julio Jones? It was Jair Alexander. Stunned by that. I was stunned. But Dom, or, oh, whoops-a-doozy, Mike Pettin bought in. The, the whole team just bought into, this is about the players. This isn't about the coaches trying to scheme or be too smart. This is a group of guys who need to be sent off into the offseason with confidence, and that's exactly what the coaches did. The coaches coached. They didn't scheme, they coached. They led. They treated these players like grown men and said, we trust you, go win. Go be great. And they let the players play, and the players responded. I don't know how else better to sum up this game. That's how I saw it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a group of guys that know that they're probably about to get fired. But they care about the players, and they want the players to be great, and they just put it in their hands and said, go be great, and they did. And maybe that's what they've been waiting for all year, for somebody to just put their trust in these guys and say, just go be great, man. I, I got nothing for you. Right, we we've got nothing left. It's bare bones. We, we everybody's hurt. Coach is gone. I'm not a play caller, right? I, I mean, we're all just kind of winging this thing here. Just go execute. And Philbin said that this is this is a you know something to the effect of this is ultimately comes down to the players at the end of the day. Anyways, it's not about play call. It's not about scheme. It's about execution. And the players went out and they executed. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't. Super flashy yardage totals and all this stuff, but who cares? Not me. And I'm not going to worry too much about the draft. It'll, it'll, it'll take care of itself. I don't know what else to do. I would love a top 10 pick. I'd love all these things, but we're going to get what we get. We've got two first-round picks. That's awesome. we got two, what, 
two fourth rounds, two sixth rounds, and about $40 million in cap space, we're going to do some damage. And hopefully the next head coach that comes in, and I know a lot of people are probably going to be pumping Philbin right now, and who knows? You know, I I don't know. We'll see how good this thing can get. Because, believe me, Brian Gutekunst fully understands how handicapped this team is because he's played a he's played a role in that. So if this team can can rise up and for example beat the Bears who just beat the Rams, we need to start having a separate conversation cuz something's working. And we can talk about how it's the players and the execution and all that fine, but again, so what? So what? It's the execution, it's not the coach. Well, it's kind of the coach. Even if it's just the execution because maybe what this team needs is a a coach to just put it in the players' hands. Draw a general structure amongst the coaches and amongst the players and then turn it over to the players and let them go in. Either way, it comes down to a coach analyzing what this team needs, putting it in place, and letting the team go win. Whatever it takes to go win, that's all that matters is winning. And if nothing else, Philbin is is trying to earn himself a job somewhere. And if it's not the Packers, it'll be somewhere else. Because everybody sees this. Everybody sees this mishmash of, of... of people just gathered around in this in this sort of pro bowlish type game where everybody's just got a Packers helmet on from all over, right? You got uh, Bashad Breeland with the Washington Redskins helmet on. You got Jair with the uh, Louisville helmet on. I mean, imagine if everybody just wore the helmet from last year, how funny it would look out there, right? Packers jerseys, Packer pants, but then last year's helmet would be hilarious. It'd be kind of awesome. Should just, if nothing else, I should just do a, a photo shoot of that. I think that'd be cool looking. But I give a lot of credit to the Packers for this win. It was a big win because they weren't supposed to win it. right? I, everything I said about the Packers, I said because it just made the most sense. It made sense to say we were going to lose this game because everything's going poorly. And based on how you know you would expect people's emotions to be, this is not, this is not a net positive for anybody. But they reacted positively, and you've got to be excited about that. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll dive more into specifics later, but this is just sort of, you know, next day I, I want to do instant reactions, and this is my instant reaction. I watched it, and I, I just, it just felt good. It was a feel-good game. It was, it was, it was like watching Rudy, right? Did Rudy end up making the football team and, and being a professional football player? And not? No, he finally, after all this work, you know, Went out on the field, he got a sack, and it was a big high five, and then, you know, go work in a steel mill or whatever. I don't know what he went on to do with his life. I think they say at the end of the movie, I just don't remember because I turn it off after that most of the time. Right, it, it, it's not, it's just, it's just feel good. That was a feel good win, and it, I think it was an important moral victory, we'll call it that. Again, I think the playoffs are out of reach, even if we went out, which I don't think we will. I don't think we're going to beat the Bears. Which, by the way, hands up, you know, hands up, hand, no. Don't not hands up. You're not under arrest. Um, round of applause. We'll call it a round of applause to the Bears, who did a really good job beating the Rams. Again, I reiterate, they're the Jaguars. Great defense. Offense is a joke. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was talking to a buddy of mine. My best friend's actually a Bears fan. He we grew up. We I mean, I grew up in Illinois, so obviously, but we've been friends since sixth grade. But we, I was talking to him. I told him I didn't think the Bears were going to win, but if they did, it. it kind of solidifies the fact that they deserve to be in the playoffs and they, they are a contender just like anybody else, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of went on to say that they're, I gave him my theory about them being the Jaguars and it really hinges on Trubisky and I don't think he's very good. I don't know if he really fully believed me. He's like, yeah, I know we lost a couple, but that it wasn't Trubisky and, you know, he's coming back. And I'm like, yeah, but he's not super good. And then I was laying in bed 
occasionally I would check the game on NFL, you know, the app on my phone, and then you'd, the game would start to play. Otherwise, it was just text messages every five minutes. Trubisky's trash. I hate Trubisky. He's so garbage. I woke up to about eight of those text messages and then found out that they won because the Rams, uh, what do they score, six points or something? I mean, that. listen, that's unbelievable. That's really, 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 really impressive. And we can sit here and trash the Rams and say they look like garbage and Goff looked like, you know, last year's Goff and, you know, McVay, who was the hero for, you know, remembering who plays for the Bears like a week ago suddenly is garbage because he did underutilized their running back or whatever the case may be. I don't care about any of that. They held the Rams. I got to look it up now to make sure I'm not getting this wrong. Yeah, six points. Under 10 points for the Rams. Call it an off day if you want, but even on a bad day, the Rams are getting 20 points. They didn't get the 10. We, you, you got to respect the Bears. It really just comes down to can the Bears offense get this thing going because scoring 15 on a Rams team that isn't super great at stopping a lot of points, you know, they're the Jaguars. The question is can they get over the hump? Can they get over the fact that they've got, you know, uh, a, a, an inept quarterback? I hope not. <laughs> As a Packers fan, I hope not. But it, it really is wide open, man. The Saints are, are starting to all of a sudden, it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Kind of figured them out. Now the Bears got the Rams number. There's a, I mean, and there's a chance they could see each other again. I mean, really, I, mean, I know this is a Packers thing, but I, I just, you know, as a football fan, I'm looking into it. The Bears are in. If the Bears go on to, let's just look at my thing here real quick, because I got the, so this is obviously ridiculous, but they're going to be the third seed, and then regardless, if they win, they're going to be the highest seed, which means they play the numbers two seed, and currently that would be the LA Rams, because they're not going to play the number one seed. That's going to go to either the fourth, fifth, or sixth. If the Bears win, which is what we're talking about, they're going to play the second seed, and that's going to be the Rams. They're going to go to LA and try to replicate what they just did. So essentially, you have the Bears, and their first game is probably going to be either, I don't know, Seattle or Minnesota. You know, could be the Packers. That's how I have it now, because I just wanted to see how we make this work, but it's probably not going to work. But they play one of those guys at home, so that's probably going to be a win. I don't think Seattle or Minnesota beats Chicago at home. Then they go on to play the Rams, who they just beat. Then they're probably going to end up playing the Saints in New Orleans. That'll be tough. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I don't think the Bears have what it takes, but if you can shut out the Rams, find an offense, yeesh. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a tough sledding for them. Um, I, th- I think in the wild card round, they've probably got. I mean, the Bears at home are going to be tough to beat for anybody. For, for whether it's Seattle, Minnesota, Green Bay, Washington, whatever, it could be the Panthers. Doesn't matter. I hope the Bears lose in the wild card, but I think that's a given. And then they play the Rams again. Again, they just beat the Rams. But um, hopefully, oh man, if they see that's. Ugh. Then I have to choose between do I want the Bears or the Saints to win. And I'm going to have to root for the Saints, but we have the Saints draft pick. And if they go into the Super Bowl, the best we're going to get is pick 31. This is the worst situation. But if the Saints lose, then that means like Dallas beat them. But then it's going to mean NFC Championship in Chicago, Bears-Cowboys. Cowboys aren't going to beat the Bears. I hate this day. Why is this happening to me? Why did I have to look at this? There has to be another way. I need the Rams to surpass the Saints so they can be the number one seed. So the Bears can go to New Orleans and lose in New Orleans. No. Ugh. Wait. Give me a minute. 
I need a minute. All right, the Bears just have to lose in the wild card. That's all there is to it. They have to lose. I don't care who they're playing. They got to find a way to lose at home. This is this is garbage. I hate today. Anyways, <laughs> I think I've exhausted my thoughts, and I'm getting on a weird tangent. It's fun though. It is fun. As I as I focus, you know, fantasy football kind of opened up the NFL for me. I used to be just Packers. I didn't have a clue what was going on in the rest of the NFL, and I, I it's kind of unfortunate because I missed a lot of the '90s, and there was some pretty awesome stuff going on. I mean, I knew the names, but I wasn't watching as closely as I am now. Anyways, fantasy football kind of opened it up. I have to start paying attention. I have to learn these names. The draft is kind of doing this, and this podcast is doing this because it's it's there's different philosophies. There's different, you know, there's defensive teams like the Bears. There's offensive teams like the Saints. There's teams like the the Eagles that decide they're going to spend a bunch of money and go win a Super Bowl, and they did it, and it worked, and it's amazing, but they fell off. And then you got teams like the Jaguars that spent a bunch of money, and their defense was great, but then they didn't quite make it, and now it's like they're garbage. And there's all these things going on. It's just I get to learn, and it's kind of cool. I don't know. It's just my personality, I guess. I like that kind of stuff. I like learning this and, and observing. You know, you see these different philosophies and tactics employed and, and who comes out on top and which one is smart and which one, you know, Gruden, I love what's going on in Oakland. If for no other reason, I get to watch this philosophy unfold because it's so rare. You need a guy that's basically untouchable. And you know how you make a guy untouchable? Make him the head coach, the GM, give him a 10-year contract for $10 million a year, give him $100 million. The man is untouchable. He can do whatever he wants. What he chose to do, thankfully, is to not play it safe, but completely rip this thing apart and rebuild it in his own image. I want to see if that's going to work. And a small part of me wants it to work real bad because I just want to see it work. Because I think that's the right thing to do, but teams don't do it because they're terrified of getting fired. If I start ripping this thing apart, we're not going to be good next year. We're not going to be good for the next two or three years. And if we go on a three-year losing streak, I'm going to get fired. Gruden's looking at this going, I'm not getting fired. And I'd be willing to bet he communicated that to the GM before he took the job because they were begging him real hard. And he comes out and he says, look, if we're doing this, we're doing it my way, and I'm ripping this thing down to the bare bones and rebuilding it. So I, I need a guarantee that I'm not getting fired over the next couple of years. And there's, several people have done that. There have been coaches and GMs who have said, I refuse to take the job if you're just going to fire me if we don't win immediately. I need a couple of years to get this thing righted. So anyways, just my personality, man. It's how I am. By the way, if you are... Uh, Super in- I thought about this yesterday. If you're super interested in what I'm talking about with my personality, you know they got those personality things online? Go Google Google INTJ, just the four letters. That'll tell you everything you need to know about me. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that Myers-Briggs test is outdated. No, I'm, uh, just trust me. They, they pegged me perfectly. That's, that's me to a T. When I said yesterday I don't have emotions, so you're not going to beat me in the make people feel bad thing, I promise you that's a reality. Go Google INTJ, and you'll understand the uh, Packernet podcast host very clearly, because it, it that's me 100%. Anyways, for the rest of you that aren't busy deep diving into my personality, because you were just, you gotta know, man. Just gotta know everything about me. I do hope you all have a fantastic day. It's Monday, and it's cold, and it's dark, because it's December, and it's winter, and it's awful. But that's all right. I I think things are flying by, man. November flew by pretty quick. I think if I just stop thinking about it, and if it doesn't snow very much, we might be able to fly through this thing relatively unscathed. Let's just get through this winter thing, get to spring, and celebrate. Otherwise, you folks, enjoy your Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. We'll we'll dive a little deeper into this. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.